By the way, why are you using my bathroom? Good point. Good point. Well, because it's closer to my room than the one downstairs. I thought that this was the marriage model. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the LVP. This is the show where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom and opportunity in your life. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, my captain, the man on the other side of the Skype line, a man whose goal in life it is to start a Built to Spill tribute band. Here's the thing, Dan. Here's what I like about Built to Spill. Here's what I don't like about Built to Spill. I like a lot of their songs, but I don't like how jammy they get. You know, like uh, yeah, what, what is that? Widespread Panic and Fish and stuff like that. Like I, I go to see these bands. I, I listen to these bands. I want to hear their hits. I want to hear their their singles. Right. I don't want to hear them in their practice room. Right? Save it for the practice room. You know, and uh, hey, that's why people uh, they ask me what's up with the difference between Tropical Talk Radio and LBP. We try to keep the LBP the hits, and then we try to keep TTR the jam. We try. I don't baby. know if that makes sense. But here's the thing. If a podcast or a song needs some sort of enhancement for you to, is it not the final product? In other words, you need to add something to that in the form of chemical enhancement. I probably don't like that band. Or a, or a 30 minute solo in the middle of the song. <laughs> if you guys stick around to the end of this jam, we are going to share with you some chess master stuff. You know, there's sort of two parts to growing a business, Ian. There is the hustle part. Uh, you know, getting on the phone, drinking coffee, waking up every morning, and, and you know, doing the hard things. That's the hustle. But there's this whole other part of, of growing a business, Ian, that's equally as important, and that's doing the right things, making the right move, identifying points of leverage, being a strategist. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about five frameworks to improve the way in which we do uh, the business strategy. First off, some quick news. We are hiring. If you want to work for our humble little company, uh, join up with us in Saigon, work directly for the boss man. You've got about one more day to apply. Check it out at tropicalmba.com. That Bangkok event, a lot of people have been writing to me, sold out already, Ian. Very good. Yes, Total very good. Out. Finally, I uh, just want to give a shout to the boys at the AdSense Flippers. I'm going to be on their show tonight, and I'm staying at Casa de Magnati here in Davao City, continuing my magical mystery tour and off to Hong Kong next week. I guess we've got a bunch of stuff going on in there that might make its way onto the podcast. Ian, I wrote that post, I don't know, maybe the first time I went to Hong Kong, five reasons to set up in Hong Kong. And it's continuing to get momentum, continuing to get emails every week about it. And I think maybe a broader solution is in the works for people who are looking to set up in Hong Kong. Yeah, we are definitely uh, working on our broader solution. You know, I think the thing about the Hong Kong stuff, Dan, is uh, it's more involved, I think, than when we first kind of envisioned it. And yeah, so here we are going to Hong Kong again. To be fair, though, no more involved than California stuff, no. which you've been sitting in, in an accountant's office drinking cheap coffee for the last three weeks trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, our accountant's a nice guy. Hey, we got over 300 iTunes reviews thanks to Comment for making it easy to read reviews from the great country of France, which is, uh, we just got one from Stan saying, warning, the LBP is dangerous. I used to be a straight A student on my way to a lucrative job at a respectable company. 
Now I'm squatting in coffee shops in Bali, hustling my way to a full-time income. Congratulations on the downturn, Stan. We are here to help guide you through that, buddy. Thanks for that iTunes review. We do work for iTunes review. Yeah, only five stars though. All right, let's get moving. Let's get moving on to the meat and potatoes. Today we've got five concepts that don't cost anything to implement. That's the beauty of having a strategy in. They're shortcuts. Of course, they can be expensive to decide upon, but you know, they're easy to implement. You know, you don't have to go out and drink more coffee. You just have to make the decision. Five concepts that can help you build wealth. All right. So why are we talking about this? Well, Dan, uh, we sat down to write this episode, and uh, one of the things that we first started to think about was these inflection points in our business. So in the last couple of years, uh, there's only been a certain amount of inflection points, right? Two or three things probably in the last year max. The rest of it's just kind of filler, right? It's day to day. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those days where you know you're going to get on an airplane in three hours. So you open up your email inbox and you like do the one thing that's going to make all the difference that day. It's like, so how do you find those, if you only showed up to work 10 days out of the entire year, what would you do? And that's what this is all about, right? It's about finding leverage, finding the big things rather than sort of getting caught up in the hustle, hustle, drink more coffee, consider buying smart drugs. (laughs) Right. So we we wrote down what some of those things were, and they they actually weren't that interesting, I don't think, for an episode, but some of the ideas that surround them were so, um, you know, some of the things on our list, the big things that we've done the last couple of years, formed a strategic partnership, started a podcast, shipped our first product, things like that. All right. So let's pull out the five more general relatable principles that we saw in this list of like the six or seven big things that happened that made all the difference. Had we only done seven things in the last seven years, it would have been those things, in other words. I mean, some of these mindsets might help you to work into those kinds of decisions. All right, number one, don't fall subject to behind the ball fallacy. And so behind the ball fallacy is similar to a sunk cost fallacy. And I also call it maybe a career sunk cost fallacy or an educational sunk cost fallacy. So basically, as human beings, Ian, we are very difficult at two things. Number one, understanding the compounding effect of the little things that we do every day, how they add up over the long run in our life. Um, So we're very bad at doing the linear versus exponential math. The second thing that we suck at is understanding the opportunity versus worrying about losing what we already got. For example, I just got done with nursing school for two years. I paid a bunch of money and now what? You're telling me that I shouldn't be a nurse? Exactly. So we'd rather save five bucks than make 10. That's a fallacy that's sort of in, you know, planted into our brain. And it, it can have much broader impacts when you look at things like careers. Like one time I was talking to a guy who sold high-end medical equipment, and I think he made like 130 grand a year or something. And he's living that high-end medical equipment lifestyle, right? So he's got a Jones's house, he's got a Jones's car, he's got some sweet cufflinks on most of his shirts. And so maybe how much money do you think that guy's actually making a year? Maybe 20K? And what he's misunderstanding is, yes, he's making good money. And yes, that took him a lot to invest to get to where he's at, but that has a limited upside potential. And it depends on that career or that industry continuing to be strong. He wasn't willing, even though his stated goal was to ultimately become wealthy, he wasn't willing to take two steps backwards over the next, say, half a decade in order to build up a more sustainable wealth trajectory, say entrepreneurship or investing or something like that, because he had sunk in so much cost into getting that 20K a year. And um, it's not just the time that he took, Dan, right? It's also the ego too, right? So uh, you're balling, you're driving a BMW, you got the cufflinks, things like that. You're making $130,000 a year. 
Now you got to go tell your friends that you're not making any money. You can't go to the yeah. bar with them. You can't hang out. You can't drive the same BMW, right? You got to be a poor guy for a couple of years until you start to build up your own kind of portfolio outside of that corporation. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, as people who want to succeed and stuff, you're very likely to find yourself thinking that you're behind the ball. I mean, do you remember the mindset we had when we started a podcast in 2009? I mean, people were literally like eye roll in our direction. Like, I can't believe, I mean, podcasts are so 2005, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, for sure. I, it, and one of the things actually uh, that we talk about a lot over the last, only about the last year or two, Dan, is trying to stop doing this benchmark thing, right? Yeah. I think uh, everybody does it. It's it's a natural thing to do is to say, well, that guy's 32 and he's here. That guy's 40 and he's here. I should be there, right? So one of the things that uh, me and you have talked about is, is trying to stop benchmarking. Speaking of sunk cost fallacy, if you look at like people say, oh, I can't start a blog now. I'm too late. I've never written anything. Look at, you know, here in the, uh, the AdSense Flippers, here in DeVal, what they've done. Joe was telling me that they started their blog in 2011. 2011? That was like yesterday. You know what I mean? So, th- you know, even if you do feel like you're behind the ball, things can happen fast if you take the right approach. So you don't have to continue on with what you've already done in the past. And the, the results are particularly compelling if you look at the compounding effects over time. Because as entrepreneurs, we're not thinking about the next five days. We're thinking about the next five years. And you got to operate that way. It is, um, you know, when I, when I think about this behind the ball stuff, Dan, even in our own business, I think about steel products, right? And I think about software products too. So we're starting to get into software products. And we, we picked this path, right, to do sheet metal products. And we're, we're having to transition if we want to expand our business and to expand our kind of horizon. Well, okay. First off, I don't think you're right about that. However, I think you're demonstrating the point very nicely, which is that, I mean, part of it might just be your motivation too. Like you want to do new things or you don't care to be like all the other steel manufacturers that came before you and they did things a certain way and they got the 50 mil at X day or whatever. They have a factory and we can do things our own way. And part of that's about following the trajectories. Maybe you want to be a software guy in the future. And that so the fact that you've done steel for three years, it doesn't need to be a total sunk cost for you. Exactly. And that was, that was the point that I was going to get to. But yes, ah. thank you for getting it, getting there for me. Essentially, it was like feeling bad about the fact that you've invested five years of your life in steel and that you're jumping over to software. Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily a sunk cost, but I really understand how that feels even in a career because I'm starting to feel like that a little bit right now. Yeah, you know, I'm a determinist. It's like, I feel like when I think of life trajectories, I don't think of individual silos. Like I went to number 10 as the medical device salesman and then I went back to zero and then I went up. I see it more as like, you know, you just sort of turn sideways for a little bit and then keep going up. Because all that experience that you've done and other things is going to inform what you do in your future trajectories. Like, you know, Steve Jobs' calligraphy course is making my computer look pretty sweet right now. Yeah, you're putting those patches on the suit. All right, number two, Ian, I call it the $3,500 downside. Um, This is a mental framework for thinking about security in your life. And one of the things that I've noticed is that people spend a lot of time securing what they have, that $5, even though the percentages of it being compromised can be low, depending on your setup. Um, And that costs them future compounding results in the future. So the $3,500 downside relates to consumer items. So I don't know if this relates to everybody, but for me, I think it's sort of interesting, Ian, that everything could be stolen from me in terms of physical goods. And I could go replace it for $3,500. And that's really on the high end, too. I mean, that's if I replace the cufflinks. How much uh, would your heart cost? Somebody steal your heart. <laughs> Pretty cheap. <laughs> <I think. laughs> 
Um, and, and, but it's interesting to look at that versus, you know, how society is changing. Like, you know, we used to put white picket fences around maybe something that we valued more than $3,500 and that was expensive. And we used to have to stay in the same place or hire a security guard. And before that it was moats or, you know what I mean? Or barbed wire or whatever. We spend a lot of time securing the stuff that we have, uh, even though it could just nowadays easily be replaced. And I think that's fascinating concept to me. Let's talk about in terms of business. We've got this um, this issue with the PayPal account. Yeah, let me give it. Let me give another example. Actually, before we get into the PayPal thing, Dan, and one of the secrets here that I'm going to tell you on the LBP is that for the beginning, when we first started our business, we honestly didn't have a lot of the proper insurance coverage that you're supposed to have, and I'm not going to exactly point to what that is, but th- let's just say we weren't exactly covered, right? And uh, so you have to think about the downsides of that, and then you also have to think about the costs of that. And I think this is this might be kind of a tangential point, but one of the things that we were trying to do with our business when we were first starting out was we were trying to move as quickly as possible, and we didn't have a lot of cash. So it wasn't even... Po- you know, It's like, what are we securing here? We don't have really anything to secure if we don't have a real business yet. And so you know, the government and all these agencies are asking for money to protect all this stuff. Well, I don't really have anything to protect because I'm not sure if this business is going to work out yet. It was only until recently that we started investing in that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah, so you know, one of the things I, I learned from a really rich friend who has all this money everywhere and all this these employees working and owning. I was terrified to look at this stuff. I was like, man, aren't you worried? Someone's going to totally take you to the cleaners. And he said, look, he says success demands exposure. So you should diversify it rather than try to protect it. I thought that was interesting. You know, like it's sort of an anti-fragile approach to success. If you look at someone that's hugely successful, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, that guy has tons of exposure. So like success and exposure are related. And if you start, to, what happens is like as success goes up and exposure goes up, people start to get nervous about the exposure side. And they spend so much time that it could be costing them, you know, happiness, but also tons of upside potential. So let's talk about that in the context of the 15K PayPal move. I would say that one simple process has probably made us tens of thousands of dollars in the future. So let's talk about that. Yeah, basically what what happened was, you know, we'd have these ridiculous PayPal account balances, right? And we'd be worried about it. So there'd be $20,000, in the PayPal account, and uh, there was no process for taking that money out. Right. And so we're always worried. We're like, well, what if our PayPal account gets shut down? Everybody's PayPal account's always getting locked up and this and that's going to happen to us. And so we just made a simple decision. Hey, every time the PayPal account reaches $15,000, that money gets dumped into the bank account. And what that protects us from is losing any more than $15,000. So if PayPal decides that they want to freeze our account, steal all of our money, which they, I guess, due to a lot of people, we're only going to lose $15,000. All right, so that's one element of it. But there's an even more important element of it, which is that because we were carrying balances, we didn't give our employees access. Because we thought, well, that's not a sensible move, right? You don't, it's not fair to anybody to have huge balances unless they need it. And when we installed the process of the 15K, you know, there's a notification that goes out and the, tr- the funds get transferred. It's like, all right, well, we're only exposed 15K to our, our staff at that point too. Yep. It was, it was basically a $15,000 exposure period, right? So Right. So, so then the math that goes down is like, you do the math down the backside. You say, okay, what are the chances that the staff that has access to this takes the money? Well, very low. So you write down the percentage or whatever. You make a prediction, right? Then the second thing is... You do background checks. (laughs) No. Yeah, you do background (laughs) checks. The next step is you say, you know, what are the lack of optimizations? Like, are the staff going to spend money more if they have access to it? So you start to think through those downsides. 
you start to think through all these other downsides. But here's the upside. I was spending two hours a week going into freaking PayPal doing money stuff. And okay, so now we did the 15K process six months ago. So what, 25 weeks, two hours, that's 50 hours. Now that's only in six months. Let's say four years down the line, how much money did that one decision make us? One million dollars. One million is obvious. (laughs) (laughs) But this is, again, this is like, look, yes, we are playing an endurance distance sport here with entrepreneurship, but that doesn't mean that there's not shortcuts that you can't take. And I think I see a lot of people saying, there's no way anybody can have access to my PayPal account. There's no way. Well, count the hours and then count the downside. Number three, understanding the dichotomy between value versus money. And this is, you know, one of the probably the, one of the most impactful uh, LBP episodes of all time. 134, the SOP episode has the tagline, if it makes you money, you shouldn't be doing it. And uh, I actually get viscerally annoyed when I'm doing things that are making me money because I know that that's, you know, that's what managers do. That's what people who are running a business do. That's not what entrepreneurs do. Entrepreneurs focus on value. You got to ask yourself, is it making you money? Because if it is, it's legible enough that enough customers understand what you're doing so that they can exchange money. So in other words, in order for value to turn into money, a bunch of people need to agree on it. And if a bunch of people agree on it, it's clear what's going on. And if it's clear what's going on, it's not a spot for an entrepreneur to be hanging out. It's a spot for a manager to be hanging out. Right. What you're talking about here, Dan, is uh, making you current money, right? So it's like, it's like yes. managing current cash flows, managing current money versus trying to create future revenues. So you're saying That's if correct. it's making you current money, then you shouldn't be working on it. You should be working on figuring out where the value is to make future monies, correct? That's correct. So this is related to this other heuristic that we use, and we call it hire for it or dump it. And this is, a, this is really good, actually, uh, in particular for consultants who are sort of like freelancing and bootstrapping their way up. I would use this heuristic, like within the first six months, if the cash flows that you're working on cannot be hired for, um, whether they're not profitable enough, it might be too difficult, might rely on your expertise too much, whatever that is, I would just dump it because that's not a business play, right? And this is this idea of if you're just freelancing and you can't hire for it, you're, you're only working for money. And at that point, you know, you're just behind the, you might be behind the ball on that one. We might. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like this hire or dump too, because it's closely related to Derek Sivers, F yeah or no. So it's these kind of like black and white decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to clarify that, I mean, it's pretty obvious what it is, but it, Derek's basically saying like in a world where there's so many options and so many opportunities, if you're not F yeah about it, the answer is no. You know, stick to the F yeah stuff. All right, number five heuristic, Ian, flipping the triangle. This is one thing uh, we talked about it in our episode where, you know, you've got a thousand true fans and then closer to the point of the triangle would be 100 true customers and then even closer would be 10 true clients. I think it's very common for people to start with the broad idea and then work their way down to the specifics. I really like how you uh, you explained this earlier before the podcast started, Dan. It's like the way a lot of people in conversation work too. So it's a, they start with like the general painting the picture, setting the landscape for you, and then they kind of get to the point eventually. But what you yes. should do, especially if you're a comedian or sometimes if you're a comedian or sometimes if you're a storyteller, is you get to the point directly like it took me a long time to get to just then. And then you fill it in. Yes. Yeah, so you, you, you lead with the point and you ground it afterwards. And this is the same thing with, you know, don't launch a business that requires a, a thousand true fans. Start with one anchor client. 
figure out what's working for them, turn it into 10 true clients, then work your way down to 100 true fans. Then of course you work your way into a thousand fans. This is a more efficient way. It's like, it's, it's, it's related to when people say, find the angle. Well, the angle is at the top of the pyramid, right? And, or the top of the triangle. I, like well, I guess that. there's three, there's three angles on a triangle. We got to work on these metaphors, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Start at the skinny top of the, the pyramid, man. Start with the point, work out general afterwards, in particular when it comes to your marketing. Again and again and again, I'm seeing broad marketing messages for brand new bootstrapping startups. Start particular and then work those customers out who need a $97 a month link network or have an SEO consultant. Forget that. Start with the point. $97 a month link network, and then work your way out to broader formulations of that, whether that's um, have me you know, build out a broader campaign of bot paid links, and then at the very top, you could have you know, me be your SEO go-to person. Got it. Make sense? Let's get moving on to just... The tips. This week, Ian, I just want to double down on, I, you know, I was using Viber yesterday and I use WhatsApp. And I use WhatsApp, Viber, and GroupMe every day. If you don't know, these are iPhone, various iPhone applications uh, available on Android as well that allow you to do worldwide texting. And you can send, you can do calls, you can send data stuff like images and video. Um, I very often send video responses to queries that come from like my, my best friends in New York City. But also, this has some business relevance. And I just, I was doing this this morning. I thought, man, this is special. This is cool that I can send a message out to the eight people that are on my basketball team in Saigon and say, hey, I'm not going to make it to the game this weekend and have everybody get push notifications about that. So I just think it's also special for travelers uh, and keeping touch with your loved ones and investing in the relationships that matter the most to you. You know, just keeping up with uh, family and friends back home while I'm on the road, sharing my life there, sharing theirs. Love the technology. Yeah, and I can actually see uh, some business applications for GroupMe. I mean, we use it for like social circles in different parts of the world, but I could actually see that being used for business. Yeah, you know, I, sometimes I get pushed back on stuff like this. People are like, oh, there's already enough incoming and stuff like that. But I don't know. To me, it's been all upside. Getting to, you know, send a video to mom at any point in time from anywhere on the planet. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Well, uh, since we've made such high leverage decisions today, I think we can end the podcast and just take the rest of the day off. What do you say? Uh, I'd say it's uh, 9.37 here <laughs> p.m. for me. So I appreciate you giving me the day off, but it's pretty much <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, hey, uh, we're going to play one of your favorite songs. Um, this is Carry the Zero from Built to Spill. And we hope you guys will carry a couple more zeros and join us again next week on the LBP. Booyah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you immediate access to episode 1 through 100 of the LBP. It is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We'll see you next Thursday morning.